Hi, and welcome to Life in All Chapters. I'm Brandi Tabor. I'm Amanda Henson. And this is Season 2, Episode 2, and today we're going to talk about some lifestyle behaviors. Um, the season is about quality of life and different indicators and, you know, just whatever we want to talk about into that aspect. You guys know us by now. We just talk about whatever we want, whenever we want. So, what does that mean to you, Amanda? Lifestyle behaviors. It means a lot. I mean... It's a huge, like you're talking social, you're talking financial, you're talking sexual. Yeah, I mean, like, you can put anything in there. I mean, it's, it could be a negative, it could be a positive, it's... Right. It's everything. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think of lifestyle and I think of, like, finances mostly, you know, because we're always talking about, you know, how can you afford your lifestyle, that sort of thing. Yeah. So your finances would play a huge role in your lifestyle. Priorities, um, I think. Yeah. Values. Yeah. So I talk about this a lot, lifestyle, as it pertains to physical lifestyle and your health and, you know, your preventative screenings. You know, are you proactive in getting the recommended screenings done? Do you, are you proactive in getting the nutrients that you need and that sort of stuff? Do you wait till you become ill to make changes? That's a lifestyle. That is a lifestyle. And mm -hmm. that's a lot of lifestyles mm -hmm. all wrapped up into one. I think I've, I deal with it more on a psychosocial type spectrum just mm -hmm. because, you know, are, you know, do you get out? Do you like to stay in? I mean, just your yeah. different styles of, of how you, you know, your overall well-being yeah well this is one that I'm particularly keen on because of how I talk about it at work all the time and I think that I really think that if we paid more attention to our lifestyle we'd have less debt we would have less you know but we get again we've said this a thousand times you get stuck in that motion of surviving and whatever that means to you yeah and you know it could mean I'm just getting through the day because I dislike my job or I I'm in this brain fog so I am just trying to get through the day so I can get home and rest because I can't hold my head up past three o'clock yeah. those things and you don't really think about how your lifestyle impacts those things I don't think people do realize how their lifestyle impacts that mm -hmm. like you said you know health-wise do you change things after you get sick? Mm -hmm. You know, I eat a lot of fried food, which I'm trying to cut down on, but I'm trying to do it before I get sick. Mm -hmm. That's, I think, because I know you and you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I we used to fry a lot of food. Yeah. I One of my favorite dishes to make is fried chicken. Yeah. And I am so it's good at favorite. it. I am so good at it. I make some mean fried chicken. Well, get on and, it. And recently, <laughs> Mom... Mom, we went to mom's like months ago and she made fried chicken and she used everything bagel seasoning in the Ugh, get out of town. I bet that was I, delicious. Oh my gosh. I, she's probably mad. I just gave her recipe away. Well, no, not sorry, really, but I, I'm telling you it was bomb. And, but anyway, we, since TJ's gallbladder and I had that gallbladder attack, what, two years ago now. And I have been avoiding fried foods. Yeah. Yeah. That's you smart. know, I, but Sunday's family dinner, that's hard, you know, and well, holidays. Well, I think everything in moderation, too. Yeah. I mean, 
unless you have some sort of specific diagnosis mm-hmm. that tells you not to have that at all, I would think that if you partake in that yeah. once a week, the world won't come yeah. to an end. Right. You know, if, right. If it's that important. I, def- I don't think I eat fried foods even once a week. I feel like I do. So. But I eat enough processed foods, you know, the yeah. hurry up and make it or hurry up and buy it foods because you're crunched for time. I do. I eat too many convenience foods and I actually attribute that to a lot of my health problems is the convenience foods. They're full of preservatives and salt and stuff we're not fat supposed to have that carbs. much of. Yeah. I actually tried to meal prep the other day. It was by accident, though, because my chicken was about to expire. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I need to cook that. Well, it was a whole thing. It was like, I think it was seven large chicken breasts, thick ones, which I normally don't buy, but you can't find chicken anywhere. That's a whole different... The economy affects your lifestyle. And so I had to cook all this chicken real quick. And I ate on that chicken quite a bit last week. I think I ended up having to throw two pieces out that didn't That's get not it. Bad. But... Nobody else in the house. TJ yeah. ate it one night because I redesigned it or yeah. recooked it or whatever. Um, did a leftover recipe with it, I guess is what you call it. Yeah. But yeah, it was. But I'm telling you, one thing I know for sure from experience, personal and professional, changing your lifestyle is hard. Yeah. And that doesn't matter what it's it, you know, what you're talking about. Changing your lifestyle from being a single person to getting married. Changing your lifestyle from being a single adult or a married couple to being parents. You know, pulling in a cat or a dog into your house. That's a lifestyle change. Yeah. No, and that's all difficult to... Because to, everything's a habit, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... And it takes a while to form a habit, whether it's a good yeah. habit or a bad habit. And I feel like it's difficult to change for the good or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't pick up bad habits overnight either. It's, right. You know, repetition. So. One of the things I've been working on for my lifestyle is becoming more conscious of it. You know, what What am I actually doing to my body? What am I not doing to my body that I should be? What am I not giving myself? Um, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. And this is a journey. You know, like you think in your head, and I have to get I have to get to another point at the end of this, which is kind of takes us into my um, outside the box thought of the day. But um, in your head, you think this is where I need to be, and you can picture the distance. You know, for instance, I want to lose a hundred pounds, so I picture that distance, and that's going to take me probably a year or two. You know, with gradual changes, lifestyle changes instead of dieting, right? So, and that's what I want. I want longevity. I don't want to hit, like I did in Florida, where I lost 90 pounds rapidly. And then there was no, you know, there was no sustaining that. Because I went right back to my previous lifestyle. And there was no sustaining it. Because I wasn't prepared mentally for what I was doing. So I want that longevity. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with this. I do this a lot, don't I? Oh, so I've been working on changing my lifestyle and becoming conscious of what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And I've been teaching my clients this and trying to get them to understand that we often go through the motions of the day. 
do you really even think about, if you're a smoker, do you think about what that does to your body as you're lighting up? You don't. You know, occasionally you will. And you'll have that desire when you get a little short of breath or you hear yourself wheezing that, you know, yeah, I really wish I could quit. But day to day, you don't think about what that's doing to your body. You don't think about what it's doing to your body when you come home from work after working eight hours at a desk job or at a job where you're up and down and then you sit in your favorite spot and you don't move for four hours. You don't think about, all you're thinking about is, oh, I made it through the day, let me relax. Or I have these tasks I need to get done on my, e I need to deal with emails or my show's on. You know, you don't think about it. So becoming conscious of your lifestyle is super important. Yeah, and I've been trying to do that. Yeah, that's good. I've, I've tried. It's not been going very well. For me personally, <laughs> that's not bad. We're all in yeah. different places. There's yeah, no, nothing wrong it's, with that. It's not going well at all. But I, I I'm gonna, I'm bringing it back. I'm Trust me, back. there are other domains when it comes to quality of life that you are going to be way better at than me. And I am not even good at the conscious thing. I am start. I am just now starting to work on it. Yeah, I was doing pretty so, well, but now I'm, I'm back to doing pretty crappy. I'm, I've been too busy. That's yeah. But which is a lifestyle choice. It is. No one's making me be this busy. I do it to myself. So mm -hmm. I'm going to cut back a little bit. Spending is another thing is that, you know, you know that saying, you, you spend what you earn. Oh, my Lord. Another I lifestyle choice. I think I spend more than I earn. <laughs> I know I do, especially now, you yeah. know. And, and that's another lifestyle adjustment that we're trying to make and become more conscious of. We, I, how do I say this? Not that we had the luxury not to be frugal, but the lack of being frugal didn't affect me until recently. Completely understand you know? what you're saying. The Does same that, with me. Yeah. I, it's not that I had the ability to not be. I just... Yeah, I chose I did not suffer to. from yeah. it. And now I'm suffering from it because I yes. didn't prepare for the loss of income. I didn't prepare for the desire not to work my life away. I didn't prepare for that. And then suddenly it was here and it's like, why are you working like this? Yeah. You know? Yeah, me too. And fortunately, and I hate to say this because it did impact us financially and it stress-wise at first, and sometimes still it gives me a little anxiety, but I don't think I would have slowed down on my own. So when our company closed... Not that I'm excited about that because it breaks my heart, but it's just one of those things that I have to recognize that has happened for a reason. Exactly. And, and I'm with you. It's it's heartbreaking, but... It opened my eyes quite a bit to how many hours I was putting my life... I, well, putting my personal life off to succeed professionally. Yes. And... I think that it's important to go through things that are hard. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And we'll be fine. And most of it's perception. You know, it, it is, is perception. It is difficult. It's an obstacle. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. No, absolutely not. You know? Usually a challenge is, is good. Yeah. I mean, it's challenging, but everybody likes to be challenged. I think even if you don't realize you like to be challenged, when you come out... You have that sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. You have that sense of, and you know, even if you don't win per se, mm -hmm. even if you come out 
with egg on your face, you know? Yeah. I feel like the lessons that we learn from those obstacles and those challenges are worth, are worth how hard you work for them. Or just the path it pushes you towards. Yes. You know, maybe, maybe there was no lesson. Maybe it just was. Well, I think there's always a lesson. It may not have been your lesson. Good point. Yeah. I mean, if somebody got something out of it, it may yeah. not have been me. But sometimes somebody has to see somebody else's situation, mm-hmm. and they can learn from that. Or, like I said, you never know. I, I do believe that somebody got something out of it. That's a val- very valid point. And, you know, that just kind of goes to show sometimes you just don't think about how something might not be for you. Yeah, yeah, everything's... You experience it, but that doesn't mean it was for you. Yeah. You know? Which, I I think you can pretty much take anything and find a lesson in it for yourself. But, we only have so much energy. No, and I actually live my life pretty much for the... For... As like a... A support character, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, devaluing my life, but what I mean is... I, I do feel like I tend to be that support character. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm the main the main character in anything. You know, I feel yeah. like my, my duty on this earth is to, to run around and, and play support characters for everyone else. And it's exciting. Yeah. But I, I feel like I get to make an impact on people's lives. I'm not in any way saying that, that in like a narcissistic way, like mm-hmm. I think I'm so great. I just mean... You're in the habit of service. I am, and I. That's not a bad thing at no, all. <laughs> but and it's such a it's it's truly a blessing to get to be able to 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 mm-hmm. prop people up. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the life that everybody would want if they would try it out. Yeah, or even acknowledge it. It's not even that they don't. So many people don't realize the impact they have on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. They live their whole lives sometimes depressed and thinking they don't matter. Meanwhile, they matter so much. Like, so many people are impacted by them, and they don't see it. I had, so. That reminds me, I had a patient the other day that I went to see, and he's, oh, in his 90s. And his wife's been gone for about 20 years. You know, she, she had cancer and died. and You know, he just, he sits, and he stares out this window. And he rarely leaves his room. You know, and you try to encourage that socialization and that, you know, getting out and about and are you depressed is always the concern. You know, are you, are you just sitting here waiting for that moment? And the answer was, no, I'm not depressed. I don't feel anxious. I don't feel sad. I miss my wife, but there's nothing. I don't understand why I'm here. And then we got to talking and got to talking about, you know, this, that, and the other, and, uh, I don't remember how the conversation developed into um, this topic here that I, I'm just going to go ahead and do the outside the box topic that, you know, my thought of the day. Um, so he said during this conversation, again, I don't remember how it got there, but he said we were talking about the distance and achieving things and you know, we were talking about my degrees and his degrees and how long it took us to get there. And he said, you know, he's like, this is the thing. He's like, this is why we fail at making changes. Because we see the we see the result we want. And then if we don't keep our eye on that result specifically, and we get distracted 
when we try to refocus on that result, it's further away because your eyes aren't focused on it. And I was like, okay. He's like, so you need to, it's okay to get distracted, but you need to always, always keep that, your eye on that. So if you're walking towards your goal and something distracts you, you move the distraction in with you and you keep going forward. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't really understand what that means in some sense, you know. He's like, so for instance, he said, you want to achieve your doctorate. And you end up married and having a child along the way. Those are two things you want, but they are distractions from your ultimate goal. He's like, so what do you do? You drag those things with you. And if you carry the weight with you, but you keep your eye on that goal, you won't feel the weight and that distance will not be as far as it would be if you kept your if you took your eye off of it. Okay, well that makes sense. Then girl, I I kid you not. This morning, you know, I'm a nerd, so I'm TED talking on the way to work. This lady did a study on it. The psychologist, I I don't remember her name. I I'll try to credit it in the comments or something, but they did a study and they compared people that were literally going towards a finish line and they would put weights on them. I don't know if he listened to this TED talk and that's where I mean you never know, I guess. Who knows? You know. So anyway, that was kind of the thing. And I, I looked at him, I said, Do you realize that you just taught me something? And that's your purpose? You know, like you still are giving to this world. And I said, Do you know how many people are gonna hear what you just taught me? You know, and he's like, I don't have a clue. And so I started talking about the podcast, which he wants me to come and hook him up so he can listen to it. So I'm sure he doesn't know how to do a TED talk. But so I told him about the podcast and, you know, I said, it's not very big. You know, we have hopes that it will be. And, you know, if I would get off my rear end and do social media the way I'm supposed to, it would be bigger. But same. But I, I said, not only the podcast, but think of all the patients I see and all the challenges they have. And you teaching me this. And he's like, well, let me just give you one more thing. And I said, okay. He said, that distance to that goal is always the same. You know, and you can carry your obstacles. You can hurdle over them, whatever. He said, the key is to remember, no matter how small the progress is, it's progress. And it is enough, period. No matter how small the progress is, it is progress and it is enough. And I thought, you know, like, I need you to come out of your room and socialize with all these people out here and teach them what you just yes. taught me. Keep hold, quit holding that all yeah, in yourself. It, that's what I said. I said, why are you holding all this wisdom in? So we have good, you know, we have good conversations. And, you know, it's one of those visits where you know to do it last because it's going to be an yeah. hour and a half. You go through your lunch, but you enjoy every minute of yeah. it. Hard to leave. Yeah, hard, very hard to leave. You know, just somebody that I thoroughly enjoy learning from and talking to. And he's very good at carrying on, carrying on conversations. And that's just that's Well, that just probably gets that really, taken for granted now. Oh, I think so, yeah. I, I think like that happens with age. We did that. We talked about that in yeah. our one episode. We did, but I think that it's even worse in assisted living type facilities and nursing homes. And I'm not dogging them out at all. It's mm-hmm. not the facility itself's fault. I yeah. just feel like sometimes we store things away. 
I think so, too. And I think sometimes we store people away. How Whether nice would it to. be if, you know, like, these facilities are required, some of them, depending on the state and depending on the level of care. They have to have activities. They have to have certain things. They have to monitor certain things. Why has nobody addressed the social issue? The socialization. Now, the activities themselves engage, yes. But why why wouldn't you be required to have somebody that's paid to go and talk to each individual? A counselor. I think it's hard. I think sometimes when things are hard, people don't do them. It's hard to gauge what the needs would be of your community. It It... It would require work and effort that a lot of places don't want to put that and in. And it costs money that people aren't going to pay until they're they're required to. Yeah. And, you know, people don't CMS, get... CMS, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, these people... A, these people have value. And B, we are losing out. Oh, so much. You know, we... I think about all the things. I always... Um, who was it that was... I think TJ's grandma or somebody was like, just call Brandy. She knows everything. I don't know everything. <laughs> I've listened to people. Yeah. That's where I, I would, we kind of joked one time. Well, I joked probably inappropriately during a newspaper interview for something that they asked me what I learned when I obtained my master's. And I said, nothing. I learned that I know nothing. It was kind of a joke, but I was serious. I learned where to find resources. And of course I took a wealth of knowledge with me. But I literally learned that there is so much information and so many different aspects that there is no way you can possibly learn everything. I know. And it's funny because, you know, I know a lot of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't know anything. People ask me for information a lot. They ask me. I think it's because I know where to find information. Right. I know how to go about finding information. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't stop until I find the information that I need. You're inquisitive, too, that, I don't, what do you mean I don't know that? Yeah, Let exactly. me go find that out. Like, how dare I not know that, you know? Like, <laughs> What's what wrong with me? But I, I just feel like, you know, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to find the answer. Yeah. And you have to be, you have to be willing to be wrong, too. I am mm-hmm. completely 100% okay with being wrong. Oh, me too. I had a fail over the weekend. Yeah, I, I used to not be. But, oh, me too. Me too. But I've gotten better. But I had a, I had a fail over the weekend, and people are going to see it, and they're going to be like, this girl is an idiot. And I don't care anymore. Because, yes, I failed. It's fine. I'll fix it. Yeah. The world will go on. I mean, you know. I used deal. to dwell over those fails, though. And I'm not going to say I don't still. How could you not still? You know. Especially depending on what they are. Yeah. It's easier to get over, though, and to see the the way out now, you know, or the way to a... A solution or you know but yeah. I'm telling you most of the crap I know some of it useless information you know um, some of it great like uh, useless information which I don't know if it's useless as a nurse practitioner Less used. I <laughs> dolphin birthing dolphin assisted birthing can increase your child's IQ that is useless to me I don't do pediatrics. I don't treat pregnant women. It's interesting. And somehow I know that. <laughs> because it's interesting. And <laughs> <laughs> But I know it because somebody had a conversation with me about it. And I think the art of conversation is being lost. I think so, too. It's too easy to Google things. Yeah. Even... Oh, and social media. You, like, 
text shorthand everything. Yeah, and it's just you you don't really have conversations because if if you have a debate oh, used to you could be like, you know, what year did that song come out? Oh, that was in the night. No, that was 1980. Yeah. And you know, you'd have like a debate about it and you'd be asking so so and so across the room. Mm-hmm. You know, well where were you when you first heard that song? You know, things like that and then when you go to that, like, where was I when I first heard this? Oh, you know what? I was at such and such yeah. with so and so. Anyway, that it runs into your memories and your feelings and your the people you're speaking mm-hmm. to. And then they're thinking about the first time and place they heard that song or whatever it is. And you would have these whole enriched conversations. And now it's, I don't know, let me Google it. And then it's over with. And it's done. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not grateful for Google. I think Google's fantastic. Do not come at me. But I just, I think sometimes it's more fun just to to try to figure it out on your own and then use Google to fact check yourself. Right. So that's just my... TJ and I do that all the time and I will find myself, if it's something we're on crunch time, I'll just automatically look it up. But we will have conversations and debate. We'll make bets about who's going to be right and, you know, what it is and why we know that and have a conversation. But I, I mean, we're married. Yeah. You know, which is well, yeah. good. A lot of married couples probably don't have conversations like that. But we, we will debate things like that and then look it up. But I think you're right, though. I mean, think about when you're at the club, you know, and yeah. you're having a few drinks with four or five friends. Your cell phones are right there. I used to um, I used to have a friend in Florida, and she would, when we would go to lunch in a group, she would make everybody put their cell phone in, a, in her bag. And nobody could use their cell phone at the table. I like it. And I actually, now I don't. Most of the kids are grown up now. The house is just us and Emily. But used to, cell phones weren't allowed out during dinner. We would have that small time where we were all present. Mm -hmm. You know, with the exception, if like one of us was on call, we would obviously have to have our phone there. But we weren't using it. It, That's the only one that would be allowed out. But uh, that was nice, that little bit. And, you know, sometimes we'd go camping and we'd go, where there's no cell reception. Yeah. Because not that I have to be forced to speak to my husband, but, you know, you do get in that lull where you're just both on your phones or doing whatever. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's not that you don't want to spend time together. It's just when there's a silence, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Idle hands. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just something that we've become accustomed to, but I don't know that I'm in love with it. I am definitely not in love with it. And I was looking at my um, screen time over the weekend I because I caught myself... Sunday, I was very busy. I was doing all kinds of stuff, and I caught myself thinking, what am I usually doing when I'm not doing this stuff? Because I was behind on some chores and some work, and what am I doing? So I looked at my screen time, and my jaw hit the floor. I thought, yeah. what am I doing on my phone that often? And I know work, I'm texting a lot, I'm answering calls, I'm answering messages, emails, things like that. But I see enough patients in the clinic that I shouldn't be on my phone that much. So it's got to be morning and evening time, which is taking away from, you know, my personal time. And these, the blue lights are not good for you. No, they're not. You know, I don't, I don't care. You, people can come at me and argue with me and tell me I'm a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but there is scientific data that shows they are not good for you. They reduce your melatonin production, increase your cortisol, the addictive behavior that social media presents or I don't want to say it creates it but it provides an opportunity I agree with for that. addictive behavior to I occur because you're looking for that dopamine surge because somebody liked your picture or 
you're getting fired up because you're trolling through something and you're getting yeah. an adrenaline rush. Or somebody posted something that you can just relate to and you yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. But you want more. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue with it is that you Shopping want more. Shopping addictions. More. Yes. Yeah. And it is an issue. And mm-hmm. it's weird because for somebody like me that I genuinely value silence. Oh, me too. I genuinely value being alone. And I don't mean alone on my phone. I mean, like, I can just sit by myself in complete silence and have a blast like I was at a freaking amusement park or something. It's just something I enjoy. So to also be addicted to social media, for instance, mm-hmm. is it's almost like an oxymoron. I think, I think in some aspect why my screen time has went up is because in my pursuit of understanding the algorithms and understanding how I can utilize social media to benefit my business and my professional life, I let it get into my personal life a little too much. Now, I don't make a lot of personal posts. I have in the past, and that's before I discovered I didn't really care for social media and I was just trying to do it because that was the thing to do. But I no longer make a lot of personal posts and... But I got addicted to knowing what was going on in everybody's lives and not even people I know. I know. I am in love with Elise Myers. That woman is phenomenal. She is, she is great. And uh, Mama Tot. Yeah, she's great. Like, you can't hate on somebody that sends love to everybody. I know. You know, and it's just so humble and down to earth. Both those women are phenomenal. Yeah, they are. And I thoroughly enjoy watching them, but I cannot... I can't come home and find my spot on the couch and stare at my phone for an hour, two hours, three hours. Not, I mean, I don't think I've been that excessive where I've been staring at my phone for three hours. But even an hour straight, when even in between emails, yeah, it's a distraction and you're staring at a blue light. Yeah, it's something that we definitely need to find balance with. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the thing reads my mind, and we talked about that several we times. I already know it does. <laughs> anyway, know. well, guys, thanks for listening. I wish we could talk more about lifestyle behaviors because it's such a vast topic. We'll hit on it again, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I think that for now, we'll let you guys get back to your day. We thank you for listening, and we can't wait for you to catch us in episode three. See you later. <laughs>